Jesus reigns in power, even in the midst of turmoil. Church life as we know it will change, but this is actually a good thing. We're still called to be on the offensive to advance the kingdom of God. This is Mercy for You with Nick Braunschneider. Nick is the pastor of Church of the Apostles in Fairfax, Virginia. To learn more about our church, visit churchoftheapostles.org. to you about four things that arise from our readings this morning, uh, four certainties that I'd like to share with you. Uh, the most important is this, Jesus Christ reigns in power as king over all, even in the midst of turmoil. Of this I am certain, and I hope that you are too, I mean that, this is the message of Psalm 29, that our God remains in control, always. David has written this song, Psalm 29, and he's just full of awe and wonder in God. He's essentially saying, Lord, who is like you? There's none like you. You command the waters. You rule the sea. You break the cedars. You shake the wilderness. You sit enthroned even above the floodwaters. And then he concludes his psalm this way. He says, the Lord remains king forever. Who is this Lord? It's Jesus Christ. If you were with us in person last week, you'll remember Jesus saying, All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So it isn't simply that you should find the good things in a time like this. You should count your blessings. Uh, those, those things are important, of course. It's important to stay positive. It's important to be thankful for what you have, even for things like toilet paper. But more than that, the deep thing that God is calling you and me to do right now at this very moment is to trust him. And what does Psalm 29 say? Ascribe to him the glory that is due his name. Give Jesus his rightful due. Acknowledge that he is God, that there is no other and offer to him the honor that he deserves. This idea is present in both of our readings. It's, it's certainly clear in Psalm 29. It runs throughout. But also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is how Paul begins our epistle reading. In verse 11 he says, Knowing the fear of the Lord. Knowing the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's, it's the beginning of everything. When we understand, Lord, you are holy. That word literally means other. You are different than me. You're not like me. You are all-powerful. You are infinite. You are un unchangeable. I'm none of those things. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. You are enthroned above it all. Again, Psalm 29. David says, you make the deer give birth. Creation. You're, you're in charge of that. You, you superintend that. But you also strip the forts the forest bear, destruction. And as a result, as we see God for who he is, what happens? In his temple, all cry glory. The first thing I'm certain of this morning is that Jesus Christ reigns as king forever. But here's the second thing. Church life as we know it will change. For, for this, we're, we're sure, at least in the short term. I mean, who would have thought a week and a half ago uh, that we would be 
worshiping in, in this sort of setting. And we'd have to close our, our building. Who knows what next Sunday will look like. Perhaps Pastor Chris and, and I will be joining you from our respective living rooms. We don't know. It's very possible that there will be long-term effects. Effects that we'll feel in the months and even in years to come. And in some ways, perhaps even permanent changes. We, we just don't know. We don't know. But we know this. This will be a season of, of serious testing. It's going to be a season of testing for God's people. And how we respond, and I said this last week, how we respond to the changes that come are going to reveal what we are in this for. If church is about me, if it's about what I get out of it, if it's about how I benefit, then I am going to become greatly disillusioned, and that's going to happen very quickly. But if we adopt the mindset and the focus of the Apostle Paul... That he describes here in 2 Corinthians 5. Jesus, how can you be glorified in this season? Jesus, how can I serve and bless my neighbors? How can I draw people into life with you? If we adopt that mindset, then God's kingdom will continue to advance. It's possible that in this season, Jesus is going to bring the church to its knees. But I'm telling you, I believe that this is actually a good thing. It's a good thing. I think we can be certain of this. We can be certain because we know our God. Because God never stops doing good, even when bad seems to have the upper hand. Because that is His nature. He is King. He is good. His ways are good. His good purposes cannot be stopped in the world, no matter what. Jesus loves His bride. We just sang. He will hold me fast. He loves His church. That's you and me. He's committed himself to us. He's poured out his blood for us. He's promised that he will never abandon us. That means whatever we face, it will certainly, ultimately be for our good. I think what what God is doing, I think what's happening here is he is shaking the foundations. He is shaking us so that everything that is not of him will fall away. It'll It'll just fall to the ground like rotten fruit off of the tree. We read this morning in 2 Corinthians 5, the old must pass away in order for the new to come. And both are good. Both are good for the church. Both are needed, in fact. Some things need to die. But out of that death springs new life. See, that's the reality in God's kingdom. Out of death comes new life. Jesus is king. And he is shaking us free of everything that holds us back that we might live for his glory alone. You know, many of us have been praying for this. You felt sad because over the years it seems like the church is is weaker and weaker and and largely ineffective. I know I love to read about revivals uh, that happened around the world uh, throughout history. And I've asked God, do that here. Lord, why don't we see these things happen here? Do what you did in history, do it now in our context. I've prayed on my face and I've, I've even shed tears asking God to pour out His Spirit. I know that you have too. And then the thought occurred to me a few nights ago as I was getting ready for bed. Maybe this is God's answer. Maybe this is God's answer to that prayer. To the prayers that we have been lifting up to Him for so long. Church as we know it will change. But in the grand scheme, 
it's probably a good thing. Because maybe something like this is the impetus that we need to reclaim the main thing. To make it the main thing again. To reorient ourselves with Jesus at the center. Paul says in verse 12, we don't want to boast about outward appearance instead of the heart of things. We're done with that. The Lord is ridding us of that. Outward appearance, a shell without any substance. And now Jesus has given us an opportunity to step back and to assess. He, he does this. Sometimes he quarantines us in our houses. So that everything else is shut out. Sometimes he slams the brakes on the race car of life that we might actually have a moment to think and to consider, Jesus, where are you in my life? Jesus, what am I doing with my life? Jesus, where am I headed in my life? How have I gotten off track? Show me the way. Show me the way back to you. I want to be in alignment with you. You know, when something is out of alignment, it's painful. If you, think of, if you think of a spine, when the vertebrae is out of alignment, it hurts. But the season of Lent, in this season that we find ourselves in, might be just what we need to lead us back into realigning ourselves with Jesus. Because Jesus is the prize. The prize of life is that we get the King of Kings. We get the King of Psalm 29. We get the king of 2 Corinthians 5. And because this is true, because we get the king, worship is the goal. Worship that is given to the God of heaven and earth. Worship to the one who sits right now enthroned above it all. Worship to the one who has rescued us. Ascribe to him the glory that is due to his name. He deserves our worship. Not just with our lips, but with our lives. Jesus has literally sent us home and given us space to think and to consider and to seek and to pray. What if we prayed during this time, Jesus, do whatever it takes for you to have first place. For you to have first place in my life. For you to have first place in your church. For you to have first place in this community. What if we told Jesus, I'm done with the outward appearance of things. I want the substance. I want the real thing. From now on, I'm seeking you with all of my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength. Verse 14. It says it's, it's the love of Christ that controls us. Because we've concluded this. That one has died for all. Jesus. The love of Jesus is what controls us. The love that has changed us. The love that has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The love that is contained in the good news that we so cherish. The news that, that Paul lays out so beautifully in this letter. Verse 19, in Jesus Christ, that is by his life and death and resurrection, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses and sins against us. Verse 21, for our sake, God the Father made Jesus the Son, who never sinned, to be sacrificed for our sins, so that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. 
And now, he has entrusted to us this message of reconciliation. See, that's the, the fourth certainty. No matter the circumstance, we remain on offense. We're always, always, always on offense. The Bible says Jesus died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The church is not shut down. We're just adapting. The mission has not changed. We're still seeking to be followers of King Jesus, who are making other followers for him. Ours is an offensive ministry. It's, it's never a defensive one. Verse 20. We're ambassadors. We're representatives for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Jesus, be reconciled to God. This is the application of Jesus' words to us last week in the Great Commission. He says, go. It's not just a command that we obey dutifully, but it's a natural result of a life that has been touched by the love of God. You remember our vision for discipleship that I laid out last week. We want to be filled with God's words. We want to be filled with God's spirit. We want to be living in community with one another. And we want to be on mission. And we can still pursue each of those things. Even in this season. Even in this moment that we find ourselves in. So the principles that have to guide us forward in these days are these. King Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our devotion. We need each other. That's, that's the second principle. We're not going to forsake meeting together, even if we have to get creative. And the third principle, our neighbors are counting on us. If we don't go, who will? So, so here's what we're going to do. We have to devote ourselves to God's word and to prayer in this season. I want to offer you each week three teaching times from Scripture. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, you'll get information on that in, in uh, the near future. We want to read the Bible together. I want us to be reading uh, the, the book of Romans together. Studying together. Engaging with God's word. Exposing ourselves to, to the living and active word of God. We want to be praying together five times a week. Sunday mornings, Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday at noon, and then Friday in the evening. Five times. We want to be devoted to God's word and prayer. We also want to remain devoted to one another. So if you're in our database, you should expect a call within the next week from a member of the vestry or from clergy. We're going to be asking you questions, making sure that we have up-to-date information on you. Uh, seeing if you have any needs and praying for you. We encourage you to utilize the technology that is at our fingertips. That means stay up to date on our, on our uh, webpage, be on Facebook, uh, read the e-newsletters that come out. And we ask you to continue to give financially to support the work of the church. God's mission continues. It has not stopped. We're moving forward and we need you to support the work of the church in these days. And we have to be devoted to our community. And in a situation like this, that means taking a decentralized approach to mission. 
Meaning this, if you see a need and you wait for the staff to organize it and do it, you're going to be frustrated. Jesus says to you, you go. You're commissioned. You're empowered to be my representative in your community and on your street. If you're looking for practical ways to serve, I want to just quickly tell you, I think the first step is to sign up for the Fairfax County Board of Supervisors newsletter. There is a wealth of information that comes out almost daily, I think. And there are tons of opportunities, ways for you to serve practically, like giving blood to the American Red Cross. There's a national shortage, and we need to serve in that way, like participating in a program called Neighbor to Neighbor, where uh, you are connected with people in need in your immediate community. There's also a list on that newsletter of organizations that need donations. We want you to be wise in a time like this, but we also want you to be available. Because King Jesus, it, it, it all goes back to him. King Jesus remains on the throne. And it's all for him. It's all for him. Colossians 1 says, All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things. And in all things, he holds it together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, everything, he might have first place. Amen and amen. This is Mercy for You with Nick Brown Schneider. To learn more about our church, visit churchoftheapostles.org.